Our guests today are Kim Liu and Meredith Jenkins, the co-chief investment officers of the Carnegie Foundation, where they manage roughly $3 billion in assets. And they're making waves on Wall Street, beating major investment benchmarks by finishing in the top 10% of nonprofits and foundations last year with a 15% rate of return through September 2013. Kim and Meredith, thank you for joining us on The Business today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. I'd love to just start by asking you a little bit about your backgrounds and how you ended up where you are today. So, Kim, can you start us off? Sure. So I'm a native New Yorker. I went from the Bronx to the University of Pennsylvania, and I attended the Wharton School and loved it. Went into banking, um, corporate banking, not investment banking, for three years, and then headed off to HBS for business school. And um, that was a great experience for me. Um, I I say all the time that while Penn was the place where I really found out um, myself, HBS is the place where I learned um, how big the world was and how many opportunities there were out there. One of my HBS classmates introduced me to his mom, who was the director of investments at the Ford Foundation. And that's how I got introduced to the world of philanthropy and Mm -hmm. being on the investment side of philanthropy. And so I was at Ford for 13 years, and I left to join Carnegie about seven years ago. I grew up in New Jersey and went to the University of Virginia um, as an English major. And when I was ready to graduate, wasn't really sure yet what I wanted to do. And so I had applied to a lot of the investment banking programs because I knew I wanted to be in New York City and felt like in some ways those were a little bit of an extension of school and that there was a lot I would learn being an English major coming into the world of finance. And so um, I worked for a couple of years at Goldman Sachs and then I worked for a money manager And all that time, I was doing a lot of fundraising outside of of work and and volunteering with my undergraduate university, and I really loved all that work and so was interested in learning more about the nonprofit sector. Cambridge Associates is a big gatekeeper for the foundation and endowment community. So I did an internship there, and that was really when everything kind of clicked for me. Let's talk about Carnegie for a minute, because it's one of these American institutions that's been around seemingly forever. So it was founded in, in 1911, and the mission is to promote the advancement and diffusion of knowledge and understanding. That's a pretty big, <laughs> that's a pretty wide area to cover. Uh, tell us a little bit about the work that, that you do and, and, and how you go about the work and what, what you see that the value that Carnegie is bringing to the world. It's one of the few foundations that I've seen that actually um, really keeps close to the original mission of its founder and um, really appreciates the work that he originally do so did. So originally, he worked on um, libraries. As you know, most of the libraries in the United States and many in other parts of the Commonwealth are um, Carnegie-funded libraries. He was a self-made man, and he believed that education was the way to get ahead. And so we continue to believe at Carnegie that education is important to make sure that we have a um, fully engaged society and and that everyone has the opportunity to be successful. Andrew Carnegie was an immigrant, so we continue to work on um, civic engagement and, and strengthening our democracy. And he also believed that if people spoke to each other more and understood each other more, then we could end wars. And so that's our international peace and security um, grant-making efforts. We also continue to do um, libraries, but in Africa, and and more recently, higher education in Africa. Everything we do today, you can kind of trace a thread back to various projects we've worked on over our 100-year-plus history. So we're investing the endowment and trying to do the best job we can to to make attractive long-term returns for the portfolio because we have 
these experts in international peace and security and education, and, and they're doing such a great job on the program side. And so to the extent that we can support their work, you know, we come in every day excited about how we're going to organize the portfolio. Uh, if you look at uh, the way that he defined it, he wanted his, his, uh, the philanthropic work to carry on in perpetuity. Yes. That's a really long time. <laughs> There's a little bit of pressure on you, right, to, to make that work. Yeah, it's an especially um, challenging effort given that we are legally required to give away 5% of the endowment every year. So ensuring that we continue to grow in perpetuity or exist in perpetuity means being able to produce that 5% plus inflation which is be challenging in a low interest rate environment. I think that we try to approach investments much in the same way that the, um, the corporation tries to approach philanthropy. It really is an effort to think about how what you want to accomplish in the long term and what the goals are in the long term and then working your way back to what efforts and what strategies you have to impl implement to get there. We have a long-term goal, not a short-term goal, of uh, producing 5% um, plus inflation so we have an 8% hurdle over a long period of time. And so we don't think about how we do that in any one year. We think about how we do that over the course of 10 years. And so it, it means going into new markets. It means um, looking for inefficiencies. It means building a team that we know will change and alternate over time, but building the processes that make sure that anybody who comes into the team can operate and feel really good about the contributions to the team. I know at Harvard, uh, we frequently run into issues where students are unhappy with some of the investment choices that the Harvard Management Corporation makes. Uh, do you deal with that as well on, on your end, and thinking about the mission of the corporation and Carnegie, and, and does that affect the investments that you make and where you think about putting the money? We definitely give thoughts, thought to what we support. Our focus is to find the best risk-adjusted returns so that we can exist in perpetuity. But we do want to be thoughtful about what are the issues and staying on top of, okay, well, what should we or shouldn't we be doing? One of the things, the luxuries that Meredith and I have is working for a foundation and where we, we feel um, that we can be completely objective about how we invest. When we think about investments, we think about what can produce the best return over a market cycle. We only think about it as could this cause, could this um, new issue impact the long-term ability of us to make money? And should, how should we um, think about that? Because oftentimes, social issues do impact long-term. And so it's important for us to think about them, but we can think about them that way. Let's talk about your co-CIO role. Uh, I suspect this is unique, and I suspect it wouldn't always work. I think it probably depends a lot on the chemistry between the two of you. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your dynamic as a team? Sure. Um, just to lay the context a little bit, uh, it wasn't an arranged marriage. <laughs> Obviously, we had been working together at Carnegie from 2007. And actually, then Kim and I knew each other from the industry because Kim was doing private equity at Ford and I was doing private equity at, at um, Carnegie. So we know, knew each other very well when she came to Carnegie. So, um, so that was a great foundation on which to base it. We both have different strengths and weaknesses that actually work really well for the portfolio, both in terms of investing and in managing our team. What happens when you disagree? The investment committee suggested the co-CIO structure, and we embraced it, but they did not tell us how we should organize. And so we came up with an organization that an organizational design that we think really enables us to have some fulsome conversation and minimize um, the amount of 
places where there could be huge areas of disagreements, which doesn't mean that we don't debate things heavily, but we come to logical conclusions. So for half of the portfolio, um, Meredith is the primary and I'm the secondary. And for the other half of the portfolio, I'm the primary and she's the secondary. And if you're the primary, your role is to help the directors who manage that asset class really vet that, uh, vet that industry, vet that asset class, vet that sector to make sure that we're finding the best available manager. So you're, you're, looking, you're sourcing, you're helping with due diligence, you're helping with strategy for that asset class. If you're the secondary, you're the devil's advocate, and you look at the investment much more from the perspective of how it fits within the context of the portfolio. You know, we are compensated economically and kind of emotionally and, and sort of personally in terms of the pride we can take on the portfolio at the portfolio level. So it's not a, I put this in the portfolio and I put that in the portfolio and this is my part of the portfolio for anyone on the team. You know, it's really, we're all focused on what is better, what what is best for the whole portfolio. That makes a lot of sense. Kim, you've spoken about the importance of diversity in private equity teams. How important is that, that mix of gender, race, diversity in all forms in, in the team? Despite the fact that we only have seven people, we have one of the most diverse staffs in the foundation and endowment community in all terms, in terms of race, in, in terms of sex, in, in terms of orientation, everything. And the fact that we really encourage people to share their history and um, different experiences they had has really made a big impact. So we're huge supporters in the idea of um, diversity of thought is important. And that's the other thing. It's not We're not just looking for people to look different or be different um, sexes or different races. We're looking for people to think differently but constructively. And mm-hmm. that is the biggest value of our team. What advice would you give to the uh, the graduating the women of the graduating class of 2014? I've been a mother now for 13 years, and and it's a great field, in that you are um, you're not subject to clients needing something at this time. Um, the the workload is heavy, but it can be done on your own time if necessary. And so, if you need to be home to have dinner with your family, then you can go back after the you know after dinner and go back and do work at night. And there's a lot of reading that can be done, and and a lot of emails and 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 modeling and all that stuff doesn't necessarily need to be tied to an office. So I think it's a great industry for for families for anyone who's it wants to sort of have a very full life. Um, in terms of advice for for the graduating women, I would encourage them to find something that motivates them in their job and to stick with their job. There will be life decisions they make that make it really hard at sometimes and and um, it might be it might seem easier to 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 take time off. Um, but ask the question. I want something more flexible. Can I have? Can I try this so that you stick with your career? Because I see so many women, either who were in my class or just in the industry that I've run into over the years, that the time taken off from work can take a real toll on your longer-term career. Just to add to that, Meredith and I are both moms, um, and I think that you know a lot of people worry about the impact that having a career has on your children. And it can be more painful for us as mothers than it is for them as children, because now both of us have um, middle schoolers, soon to be high schoolers, and they really appreciate the fact that we work. And they have a lot of respect for um, that, and they get to have engaging conversations with us about what we do and how we do it. And, um, I, you know, it's challenging, and I don't think that anybody can underestimate how challenging it is to be a working mom, regardless of how supportive an infrastructure you have. It's emotionally taxing. It's, um, you know, physically taxing. It's, it's, it's difficult. 
But it's amazing in the end if you can figure out how to strike a balance, right? Thankfully, Meredith and I both found something that we really enjoy doing every day because it's really hard to leave your kids if you don't love your job. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I really encourage the women of the class of 2014 to think about what brings them joy and what they're passionate about. It's not so much thinking about um, the next job you want to have so much as the next skill you want to develop. And if you keep doing that, you'll find that perfect job for you. That is great advice from two women who are both having great success uh, in their chosen field. Kim Liu and Meredith Jenkins, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you.